Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 11 of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well, man. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Another beautiful day here in Cleveland, Ohio. It is. It was kind of gross all day. And then like right as my kids were going to bed, like the sun came out and it cooled off and it wasn't as humid. Yeah. Weird. So I'm hoping it sticks around for tomorrow. The sun coming out and it cooling off happened at the same time, but it absolutely did. That is odd, but whatever. Well, you know, we're we're in this like, you know, I think the solstice was two days ago. Uh, Yesterday. No, no, no. It was the 21st. Um, and so, anyway. So it's officially summer Officially now. summer. The king is back. In America. The king is back, baby. Currently wearing a shirt with birds on it and drinking a glass of chilled rosé. Um, Ch- chilled rosé, huh? Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, you know, I've never been a big rosé guy. I, me neither. Recently, though, it's been nice. I think part of it, honestly, is that because I'm not going out to bars, um, like, mm. I, okay, since I haven't been going out to bars and I haven't been going out to restaurants, that means I need to keep more food in my refrigerator because I'm not eating meals out, right? Yeah. Now, a corollary to this is that takes up, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show. This is sounding very familiar. I don't know. We actually did briefly, right? Like, you'd no longer have as much fridge space for, like, cold beers. Exactly. So I don't have as much fridge space for cold beers, but I do still like a cold Bev. And so, love a cold. Bev. And so, a bottle of rosé takes up a lot less room, and you can keep, you can store it, you know, at room temp, and then just put it in the fridge later, as opposed to beer, which I feel like you sort of need to keep cold, or else it'll like get skunky. Or at least that is what someone told me once, and I have always believed it. Yeah, that feels. I mean, like that feels right. And beer is always stored, yeah, man, because at the grocery store, they always store beer in the cooler. Although that might just be because people prefer to buy cold beer. Oh, I mean, I think that's part of it. Because the thing is, I think if it doesn't start as cold, you don't have to keep it cold. But I feel like once you've refrigerated it, if you then let it get to room temp and then put it back in the refrigerator, then it, I, I feel, feel like, like it, gets it a does little get funky. funky. But with a rosé, I just buy a bottle. And I keep it sort of, you know, around. And then if I feel like I want something, I just toss them in the fridge about midway through the day. And then after work, baby, it's rosé time. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to rosé time. <laughs> this is our new podcast. It's a new podcast. <laughs> um, no, the, the, our podcast is still the same podcast. The one where we talk about Mega Ranger. And today we are talking about Mega Ranger episode 11. It is called Look Out. Okay, did not realize this when we started talking it. Look out, the lore of the Red Rose, which really, in this hey. case, is the lore of the Red Rose. <laughs> it got you! It got oh, you! Oh man, dude, I cannot believe that I was setting up such a like perfect transition, but didn't realize I was doing it, so completely bungled it. <laughs> you know, Matt, you live, you learn. Anyways, Matt. Yes, uh, but of course, before we get into that episode, Dave, sure, first... We have our officially award-winning opening segment. As always, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, man, our first star of the week is Isolation Update. 
Isolation Update. So here's the honest, uh, is the truth, man. I just, you know, I feel like at this point, because we're still isolating um, pretty hard. I mean, a, about as hard as, as we've been kind of since the beginning. Um, I know some people are, are going out a little bit more. We really are not. The only thing that we are doing is we are seeing people inside of our, like, socially monogamous circle. Uh, if this isn't an idea that you've heard of, I'll let me to clue you in, clue you in, because this is a great idea. Basically, you kind of pick a handful of people, and you all get together, and you say, listen, we're just going to form, like, a little group, and everybody, we're all observing kind of, like, the same level of precaution. So... You know, everybody is, like, the same degree of safety, and then we can hang out with each other. Yeah. So, like, you've come over a few times. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been great, really. Yeah, and, uh, like, we've seen our friends Bill and Jen, and they're all kind of in the in this circle with you and I and, mm-hmm. and that. So, but other than that, we're still isolating really hard. But at this point, it's been, like, four months and I'm just kind of used to it. Yeah, you know, the uh, an analogy that I heard recently was, do you remember in, and I'm sure you do, in The Princess Bride, when they go into the fire swamp, right? And when they're in, and I, I swear, I, I don't think this is an original thought. I'm pretty sure I heard somebody talking about this on a podcast, but I don't remember which one or else I would give it credit. Um... But when when uh, Wesley and Princess Buttercup enter the fire swamps and there's like, you know, fire geysers and the lightning sand and they're in terrible danger, right? And then sort of as they continue to go through the fire swamp, by the time they hit the other side of it, they've sort of experienced the dangers. And although the dangers still exist, they have gotten used to maneuvering around them in a way that yeah. like, by the end they feel very comfortable before you know, I think before, that's a really good before analogy. Count Rugen comes and like you know hits him on the head with the butt of the sword, um, yeah. Anyway, that that is sort of where I am mostly. Yeah, I think it's like at this point it would like we might have a non isolation update at some point, or a a no longer isolating update. But but now I just like I don't know, man. We're still just like in the house and that's Yeah, I've been going to the store a little bit. Like I have I've I've kind of stopped ordering my groceries. Okay. I've been doing I've okay. been doing grocery store runs. You know, put on a mask, get in out quick as quick as I can. Yeah, I was gonna say like once a week. That's pretty Yeah, yeah. That's that's well within guidelines. Making some pickles. So, you know, I'm in I'm on that stage. Okay. Still baking bread yeah, yeah, now, yeah. also making pickles. Right. You've yeah. You're sort of ramping up now. There is one thing I want to say um, before we sort of wrap up isolation update, which is if you're isolating, good for you. Which you should be still, and uh, you know you're getting most of your news through your daily news feed. You might not be seeing that uh, protests um, across the country are still ongoing because the news media has sort of stopped paying attention to it because it's no longer headlines because it's just still happening, but. It is definitely still happening. Uh, and if you have the ability to be part of those protests, we would strongly encourage you to do so. 
Um, yeah, stay home unless you're not staying home. And if you're not staying home, that's where you should be going. <laughs> right. But don't, you know, don't stay home for like a good reason. Don't right. just go to the beach or something. Anyways, Matt, um, second star of the week. Speaking of a weird sense of normality, here's our second star of the week, Matt. Our second star of the week. Hey, Dave. Is what is our second star of the week? Oh, yeah, thank you. I, uh, you know what? I couldn't quite find my footing with it, and I didn't realize what I was missing until you so graciously supplied well, it. Well, Dave, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for you. Anyways. And for the listener. <laughs> so, so our second star of the week, Matt, is Hyundai's 4th of July sales event. Okay. Well, okay. Let me to clarify. I'm more, I'm it's more not of a Toyota-thon Hy- guy, but... Well, I think that would probably work equally as well, because it's not the Hyundai 4th of July sales event that I care about. The thing that is so wild to me is that I saw a commercial for it, and the commercial was not with like a minor key piano in the background, and it wasn't shot in black and white, and there was no mention made of these uncertain times. And uh, and, it was just now more than ever, you can buy a Hyundai. Yeah, there was no... Right. It was just... Like, dead on Dave, hun- a regular commercial. Hyundai's been here for you and your family for generations. Yeah, n- nothing. None of that. Just a, it just was a big just, flag and telling you to come get, like, 0% yeah, APR? Yeah, just, like, come on down to Steve's Hyundai or, like, whatever it was. And, and I saw it, and I was so disconcerted and, like, discombobulated by the existence of just this... This regular commercial that was not even telling me how Hyundai was here for me in these uncertain times. I f- okay, here's what I think was so weird about it, is that I found it equal parts, like, very refreshing. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, just like a regular commercial. And they just want me to come and buy it. I'm not going to buy a Hyundai. But, like, they just want me to come down and buy a Hyundai at a 4th of July sales event. And on the other hand, so it was equal parts kind of comforting and reassuring and deeply horrifying because Hyundai, there's still definitely a pandemic on. Yeah, Hyundai is over like, it, man. That has not changed and is, in fact, kind of getting worse because everyone's decided that it's cool now and it 100% is not. I mean, listen, have you ever caught coronavirus from a Hyundai? Probably not. Well, I, well you know what, Matt? I haven't, you know, it, but I'll also tell you, I have been socially isolating from Hyundais. Well, okay, you know, that is fair. I mean, that's not new. I have a general a general isolation from Hyundais. That is, that is your sort of standard policy, re-Hyundai. Yeah, my default on Hyundai is is that I'm I'm distanced, but but yeah, it was so weird because like on one hand I get it, it was nice that it was normal, but guys, it's still just definitely are not normal though. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing though, I bet they don't make new Hyundai Fourth of July commercials every year. I bet they've got one dusty old commercial that they trot out every year and splice with the footage of the new cars. Uh, And they weren't going to go to all that bother, Dave. Shooting new footage is very difficult right now because you can't get people together because there's a pandemic. 
What would they going to do? Shoot I, the new commercial on Zoom? I I would love if Matt were, if they, that were in fact the case. If they were going to shoot it on Zoom, then it wouldn't be for Hyundai. Of course, it would be for Volkswagen Zoom Zoom. Yeah, I don't know what else it would be. It does seem like a lost merger opportunity for them. Like you could have yeah, man, if only if only then, Volkswagen like, if built hadn't in, given up that marketing campaign at least a decade ago. <laughs> Anyways, Brown back. That was my like. That was my like bizarre uh, experience the other day. What Matt is our third star? Dude, of the week. Third star of the week is I have been listening to. Okay, I have not been listening to a new podcast. I have newly been listening to a podcast that previously I had not listened to. Okay, there, there yes, were too many I words in that sentence, clarified. but you get what I mean. No, I got you. Uh, anyway, it's extremely good. It is a podcast about movies. And Dave, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking Matt. Aren't all podcasts about movies? <laughs> Aren't all podcasts it's gotta two be guys a solid, in their 30s like talking about movies? Um, and here's the thing. This is a podcast about two guys in their 30s talking about movies. But here's the twist. It's very good. <laughs> and I say that as a guy in my 30s who has a podcast <laughs> that talks about movies. Which, I, which hey, Spectre, go listen to it. It's good. Um, this podcast, though, it's called Blank Check. It, it, is it about the movie Blank Check? Strangely, no. I think maybe they've done an episode on that one. But here is here is the hook of the show, and what I think makes it very interesting. It is specifically about directors and their filmographies. Oh, okay. So, like, this week we're looking at Scorsese and, like, every movie he's ever done. No, okay. Here's what's great about it. It's not this week we're looking at Scorsese. It's this set of however many episodes it takes we are going through the films of Martin Scorsese. Oh, wow. Okay. Or, like, here are all the Miyazaki movies. Here are all of the Nora Ephron movies. Here are all of the, you know, M. Night Shyamalan movies. All of the Paul Verhoeven movies. So, they're like, so it's not just that they're talking about the movies, although they do talk about the movies individually. Okay. It's that, what, the thing that makes it so interesting is that they give you a lot of context of how this movie fits in that director's filmography, but also how it sort of like fits into the year that it came out and like the careers of the actors who are in it. Oh, that does it's, sound really cool. The, you the, know, it, yeah, and the two hosts are uh, David Sim or Sims, I think Sims, uh, who is the a, either the or a film critic for The Atlantic. And uh, Griffin Newman, who is an actor who played uh, Arthur in the most recent live-action Tick show. Oh yeah, I know that dude. But also, like, apparently, Maybe not personally, but he's like a huge movie guy. Like, his dad was a movie producer. His mom was a casting director. His grandfather was an actor. Like, he grew up reading like the box office reports every week with his dad as a bonding thing. That so, like, is no, that's super cool. So, like, you they know... just—they've got like this very deep well of like not like knowledge of cinematography although they have that too but just like like just tons of knowledge about hollywood movies and its history and listening to them talk about it with con that sort of context it's, it's just a really good show very long episodes but very good show no you know i that i think is the that is the best in in my experience, like form of podcast is like somebody who is into something who does a really deep dive 
on on a particular thing. And I think that's kind of in a way the glory of of podcasts is that they're so cheap to produce <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that any any two knuckleheads um can can decide they want to do one and right they could you know, for example have... spend six years talking about like every episode of a six-year chunk of the grand history of super sentai <laughs> Well, no, but I think that's a really good... I mean, okay, I was talking about those other guys, but we are also an example of that. And I think that's one of the things that's really fun about the, a podcast is that because they're cheap to produce, they don't have to have a giant audience. Mm-hmm. And and you can make it about like this really weird niche stuff. Like Nobody is going to make the Super Sentai Brothers as like a TV show. They should. Because the, they should. And Shout Factory is actually a tiny bit... Shout Factory... Still waiting on that call, guys. Waiting on that call. Just, just saying. Anyways, Slide into um, those DMs, Shout Factory. It's all. I'm saying. Anyways, uh, that sounds like a super cool, super cool podcast. I have actually also been. Um, I just watched a new show. Uh, Dave, I, I kinda... feel like I feel like we're in like fourth star territory now. Yeah, I mean, okay, this we is just want to sort of like a... roll. Okay, stars three and four are things that we have watched or listened to or interacted with this week. Uh, there's some very good comics. Very good comics. Matt just very hit good Marvel comics. Unlimited today. Dude, did Anyways, you know those X Men this... comics are really good? Oh, dang, they're real good. They're real, real good. And uh, I feel like the stuff they did with what Hickman set up. Mm-hmm. They just let Hickman do what he did best, which was retcon stuff. And retcon, then everybody but also sort of recontextualize in an interesting way. It's not like a it's not the sort of retcon that just changes things. It's the sort of retcon that sort of provides a new perspective on something moving forward, I guess, in a way that some people aren't as good at. No, I that's kind of what I'm saying is that Hickman is I mean, he's great in a lot of ways and I do love his writing. But that, I think, is his particular, like, authorial superpower, mm-hmm. is this ability to kind of, like, go back into the mythos of a comic and and find something that fits perfectly that you never would have thought of, but does make sense and also, like, opens up, like, enormous new vistas of, of story and narrative possibility. Um, Man, you the, know who the dude's else, a genius. I love him. You know who else did a really good job with that? We might have talked about it on this show. Um, and it's it's not, like, an incontinuity thing. But the uh, X-Men Grand Design series by, oh, I think it was Ed Piscor. That sounds right but i'm gonna feel bad if we're wrong but um, but yeah no those are super great really good just like takes all of x-men's continuity and squishes it into like six issues of like very like tightly organized um continuity it's super definitely check it out if you haven't uh anyway so here's the show i've been watching uh it's called alone and there's like a ton of seasons. There's like nine seasons of this show and it's on hulu it's from history channel here is the here is what alone is. Have you ever seen Survivor Man? I'm familiar with Survivor Man. Okay, so Survivor Man is this guy, Les Stroud, and he goes out into an environment with, like, very minimal equipment or whatever equipment he may have reasonably had on him when he entered this survival situation, and he carries all his own cameras. There's no crew. There's no anybody. It's just Les Stroud. Go ahead. And and he oh, I got, just I got kinda, a great joke in a second, but you, you he just kind of yeah. tries to survive out there for a week. 
So, so you're telling me that the concept of the show Survivor Man is that there is a man and he survives. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. They nailed it with the title. So here's here's the concept of alone. It's competitive Survivor Man. Okay. They just take ten people and they take them to a remote environment and they drop them off like a few miles from each other. And okay, have, so they're, and they okay, have, they're alone. I guess that's the name of the show. I was yeah. going to say, because otherwise, Competitive Survivor Man is Survivor. No, 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 no. It's not like <laughs> Which is another games. show. No, they're all out there alone, and they have a radio, and whenever you want, you can just call in the team and say, I'm tapping out. Like, I'm done. Like, this is, I can't do this anymore. And, uh... And then you just, and then they come and pick you up, but you've lost. And the winner gets half a million dollars. Okay. And that's the show. And it's all just them shooting themselves, surviving and living in wherever it is that they've dropped you off. Okay, uh, so here's, here's my big question about Alone. Is say there are 10 contestants, right? Yeah. When contestant number nine radios into base and says, you know what? This stinks. Like, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Um, and they go home. Do I they... mean, these are not celebrities, by the way. I, I know. Ahead. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here is the name of a different show. Um, okay. Do they then, like, go find number 10 and say, like, hey, you win? They do, but only with number 10. Okay. You have no idea. At no point do you have any idea how many other competitors are left. Okay, see, it's good that they do that because otherwise, like, you would potentially have multiple seasons of this show uh, filming at once just because the last guy of season four never went home. Oh, no, 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 dude. Like, by the end of this show. They are, like, by the end of this show, they are pulling people for, like, medical... Because they do, like, periodic medical checks. Okay. By the end of the show, they are pulling people for med. They're like, no, dude, you are about to go into, like, starvation level, like, organ failure starvation. We're, we're pulling you. Like, good for you. Your brain beats your body, but, like, but also, we can't let you die in Patagonia. That so, would be a bad TV show. It's a very bad television. So, anyways, um, it's because the name wild. of the show is Alone, not Carl dies alone in Patagonia. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, it's which a I great feel like guy. you could only get away with one season, right? I yeah, I don't think season I don't think two Carl of Carl dies, dies alone, alone in Patagonia when Carl when Carl three shows up to that uh, <laughs> shows say, up to that audition. He's like, hey. Carl. So the the title of this show that's a joke, right? <laughs> sure, Carl, totally is. Don't even worry about it. In loving memory of Carl's one and two, <laughs> <laughs> I one time saw a vanity license plate, and it said Carl four. Well, Carl's vi, but Carl four. I think we've talked about this on the show, man. Maybe also, we that would have. be Carl really six. Made an impression, and. And Carl 4 is, that's a little bit of a bummer for Carl 4, but like Carl just rolling around like with no numbers, you're just the first dude to nab Carl. Um, That's dope. Like that's an extreme flex, particularly I think on other Carls. Oh yeah, imagine that you're Carl 4 
and then and like you you're driving up. around and you see Carl. Oh my gosh, the shame. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I've been playing No Man's Sky. It's fun, but there's a lot of managing your menu in it. I'm glad that I can finally play it after like four years because it's on the Game Pass now. I am oh, also nice. glad that I did not like go out and buy a PlayStation to play it four years ago. That was the impression that I got from a lot of people. Um, it's Apparently, it's much better now than it was at launch. They've improved a lot of things. Oh, nice. That's cool. I don't know because I haven't played at launch. But anyway, it was very fun. Dave, what is our fifth and final Star of the Week? So, Matt, our fifth and final Star of the Week is Bath for Father's Day. Got me uh, some tart pans, but nice. also a new pastry book. Ooh. And uh, it's a very good book, and it is about it is called The Art of French Pastry, right? Yeah, The Art of French Pastry, and it is by a guy... He is extremely French. His name is Jacques. I'm going to mess up the pronunciation a little bit. Jacques. It's spelled like Pfeiffer, like Michel Pfeiffer. I'm not sure quite how you would say that in French. Pfeiffer? Pfeiffer? I'm not sure. Eh. Anyways, the dude Maybe. is extremely That's French. That's one of the options. Sure. Um, but, and this will be this is fun, Matt. He is Alsatian. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, this is only relevant because Matt and I's family... Uh, is from Alsace-Lorraine, which is a region in France, like way, 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 way back. I mean, we're we're mutts now. We're about as Alsatian as we are Chinese right. by like percentage, I guess. But um, you know, that's that's is originally where our our family is from. Not actually uh, Chinese half of our, but well, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like we're not Chinese at all, but we're also basically not Alsatian. Um, but this dude. He has the whole book is French pastry, and then he has like a special section for like, oh, these are like the Alsatian specialties that I like grew up eating and particularly love. Ah. And uh, Alsace-Lorraine is right on the border between France and Germany. And there's one or two spots where, where he does a bit of like fist shaking at the Germans. Like, over years and years of, like, occupation by Germans, like, Alsatians have learned to be thrifty people. And, like, there's, like, one or two other little things in there. But then when you get to the section on, like, specialty Alsatian treats that he it's, super loves. It's all just German food. It's all just German stuff. It's, like, Kugelhof and Stollen. And uh, there's, like, a, a, a honey cake. And there's, like, a thing with Strusel. And uh, there's this honey cake, and he gives you the French name for it, and he says, but in Alsace-Lorraine, or in, Al- in Alsace, uh, we call it Beinenstich. It's like, <laughs> hey, my dude, if, if you're going to, like, rack on Germans for, like, occupying France, maybe don't be quite so stoked about German pastries. Oh, yeah, dude. I remember the, that year that I lived in Normandy right after college, there was a, like, Alsa- like an Alsatian-style restaurant in the city oh, I lived in. cool. Um, and, like, you would go in. It's like, oh, yeah, you want, like, sausage and potatoes and sauerkraut? Here you go. <laughs> French food. <laughs> Love it. Anyways, uh, there's a great recipe for uh, in for brioche in here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make some. Ooh, let me know how that goes. I, I really want to try brioche, but my mixer, I don't think, would, like, actually stand up to the rigors it needs yeah, like, you really got to like, like really knock beat that bow for like dough for like half an hour. Anyways, Matt, that is our fifth star of the week. Cool. Uh, well, in that case, Dave, we're going to take a break. We are going to watch episode eleven of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. 
Um, I am going to refill this glass of the lower of the red rosé, and we will be right back. All right, welcome back. Dave, Mega Ranger still rules. Still rules! This is the first episode, because I had been watching ahead. We have now caught up to where I had been watching ahead. So this is the first episode in a while that is like fresh to me as we're doing the episode. Man, it's oh, a cool. good episode. Yeah, dude. Um, Shibalino is great. Shibalino yeah, is I, like I feel like a Shibalino is going to be like near the top of my list of like generals. Like at the end of the year, I think I was going to say if she. On this. On this kind of trajectory, yeah, I feel like a dope because I want to say more than just like, yeah, it's great and she rules. But like, it was a great episode, and Shibalina is a real good villain. Yeah, so we get sort of um, a different perspective on her this episode. It's okay. Well, we will get into it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get into it right now. Right now. So this is a Chisato episode. Yes, very cool. This is a Chisato focus episode, which I dig. Uh, I really like Chisato. She's a great character. I am also very interested in her because she is not a super stereotypical yellow ranger. Okay. Uh, I, I, I am familiar with the concept that you're throwing at me, but unpack it a little bit for me. Yeah, sure. So, actually, she may represent a real transition. So, in... Uh, most of the early season, I know by by early, you mean the first. 20 I really years mean of the show. like first twenty odd years of the show, um, and we see this in like Raita and Jury and Kazu. Yeah, we see it in Kazu, and I I was trying to remember Car Ranger. All of a sudden, now I feel really bad. Oh, Anyways, the Yellow Ranger from Car Ranger. Well, who that we really like clearly is our old friend. Um. <laughs> Check, 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 check. Yeah, I know. I can't remember her name all of a sudden. Anyways, um, Yellow Rangers, tradition, like in the first 20 years of the show, are uh, the bruisers. They're like the, the even, when they're, uh, even when they're ladies, they're like big, strong. Um, their attitude is like they're tough. Um, or they're like the big, burly one, right? Like right. Raita wasn't like a tough guy, but he was like big and strong and threw rocks and stuff. Like this is like a, a really important, like this is, that's kind of the mold of the other Ranger. Yeah. And then in like, as we're getting into it, like late nineties and two thousands, it started to transition that the yellow Ranger became much more like a sort of serious, like they're the smart one. Um, they introduced that, that, that character type for the Yellow Ranger. So you can either still be like the big strong one, or you can be like a really clever, like smart, you're the strategist. Yeah, and um, like the the sort of big strong archetype doesn't go away, right? Because like once you hit Time Ranger, the Yellow Ranger from Time Ranger is like a cage fighter from the future. Yeah, it never okay, disappears. I mean, I mean, most of the people in Time Ranger are from the future. Time Ranger is great, man. I'm, <laughs> I hope we get to it. Yeah, that trope doesn't disappear from the Yellow Ranger. It just, there's new options, right? It's not always that. And I feel like Chisato is maybe the first inklings that we're seeing of like, hey, let's kind of try something new with the Yellow Ranger. Let's make a Yellow Ranger that isn't 
a tough guy or a bruiser yeah. or a, or a whatever. I think she's. I think Chisato is emotionally tough. She is, yeah, definitely. Um, but I think we're starting to see with her that she is a a planner mm-hmm. and a a sort of a hold the team together sort of Yellow Ranger, and we're going to see a lot more of that in the future. And Straight this is really up, cool because Chisato would be a great Red Ranger. She would be a fantastic Red Ranger. D- she would actually be a much better Red Ranger than Kenta yeah, is, I don't, frankly. I don't know how Kenta would be as a Yellow Ranger, but I think that Chisato... Actually, could've... he would he would work really yellow, well as a Yellow oh, Ranger. yeah, because some Yellow Rangers love to eat all the time. Yeah, like, that is also a big Yellow Ranger thing. Like, Yellow Rangers love to eat. They love to, like... They have, uh, they have big personalities, big appetites. Th- yeah. Yeah, big appetites. Uh, so Kenta is actually a much better Yellow Ranger, and Shisato, oh man, what a lost opportunity. And you know what's interesting? Shisato would have been so boss as the Red Ranger. Is that uh, Koichiru is a much more Blue Ranger, and Shun is much more of a Black Ranger. Yeah, they really are. They kind of juggled everything around this season, which is interesting. Yeah, M- yeah Miku is, is a hardcore Pink Ranger, though. Oh, 100%. Uh, so anyways, this is a Chisato episode, which is stoked because we love Chisato. Um, so what it is, is she says it's a voiceover from her, and she's like, ah, it all began at the beginning of spring break. And she's shooting a model because she's a photographer. That's like her thing. We can't see who the model is. Right. The, basically, what we are looking at is the point of view of the person that Chisato is photographing and talking to. Yes. So... And it very much, uh, the vibe they're giving it is that Shisato has met someone. Right. She's met a very special someone, and she says, the camera brought us together. Okay, so this seems like a romantic thing. And this is going to be uh, reinforced because we're at the high school, and the rangers see Shisato, and they're whispering. And they're like, oh my gosh, like what is going on with Shisato? Right. Like, I think what happens is that Miku was hanging out with Shisato, and Miku was like, oh my gosh, Shisato is obviously in love. She tells the other three, and they're like, no way, not Ch- Chisato. Like, that, not that's the impossible. person who everyone in this show wants to date. How could she possibly be dating someone? <laughs> so they, they go, yeah. and they sort of spy on her. She is in a kitchen in the school. She's in the home ec room, is yeah. what I would imagine. And she is decorating a cake. And she is, like, singing to herself and having a lovely time. Miku says, ah, see... She is in spring mode, which and- Koichiru, like me, has no idea what she's talking about. Uh, but apparently this is something that the other people recognize as... Like, ah, uh, it, it, she's it, in love. Yeah, it's slang for... it. Yeah, she is in love. Right, spring, when young man's hearts... When young man's fancies turn to thoughts of love. Right. Uh, and the next scene we see is that Shisato is in a room and she, like, starts to take off her jacket... And then she sort of is like, oh, wait. And she sort of like prances over and turns and flips the uh, the blinds down in like the classroom that she's changing in. And then the other rangers were just like standing like like right outside that window. Kind of checking out what was going on. Like, guys, were you? Well, they were. were you- they were snooping on her because she's changing in the kitchen room, right? Yeah. There's like lockers in there for some reason. Um, and I think they were spying on her decorating the cake, uh, on which she has written happy birthday in English. 
Um, and then when she goes to change, like, that's weird that she's changing at school. And Kuitaru, yeah, uh, like, pulls out his student <laughs> manual handbook. It is oh, like, man. actually, it is against the rules. When you are on school property, you must be dressed in the uniform. I'm very concerned for her that she is, like, you know, breaking the rules in such a way. And everyone is just like, oh, my gosh, you are... I think Shun calls him inexorable. Yeah. That is exactly the phrase. He's like, what do you mean? I just, you know, it's the rules, though, guys. And I, I think it's Kenta agrees, like, yeah, you're inexorable. And then no, looks, it's Shun. Oh, no, well, Shun agrees, but then I think Kenta also agrees and then has to turn to Miku and say, like, what does oh, inexorable that's... mean? <laughs> it's either Kenta or Miku who does that and they ask the other one. Oh, Feels man. like a Kenta moment, though. It is. So, um... They're, they all, they kind of like duck out and hide. And then they're like, okay, well, obviously there's, there's only one thing to do. And that is, which to, is, that is to put on a quote unquote disguise and to tail her. Right. Uh, what they do is they duck in and they steal some clothes from the like lockers and put on very, very bad disguises. Right. Koichiru's only disguise is that he is wearing the exact same clothes, but has put a baseball batting helmet on. Now, the one thing I do like about this is that all of them except Koichiru are trying to cover up their face, so they do definitely look like they are prepared to go out in public right now. Oh, yeah. As of June 2020. I I saw them going out. I was like, that looks really familiar. Why does that look familiar? Oh, right, because everybody walks around. Well, most people are walking around with their faces covered. Uh, so... So they follow her, they they get on the same bus as her. Yeah. They're doing a very clumsy job of following her. Extraordinarily bad. Uh, you almost could not do a worse job. So as they're walking, uh, they're following Shisato, and then we kind of get, like, a a forward shot, and there's children walking along, and then there's this nun. And the nun has a bunch of roses, and she... She gives... These chi- she's giving children roses. Mm-hmm. We are about to get into something that is kind of a recurring theme in, I guess you could just say like Japanese media sort of writ large, because you see it a lot in anime too, which is uh, the exoticization of like the West, I guess in general, but like Roman Catholicism specifically. Yeah. And, I mean, listen, this is definitely the sort of like a, a, a sort, like a blade that cuts both ways because... One, oh, yeah, like, for sure. You know, it is it is something that happens in Western culture, too. This is like, hey, put some, you know, put some kanji on this thing, and now it's cool. Oh, yeah, and I think that's the thing that I, I actually do sort of appreciate seeing it, because it gives you the perspective of, like, this is very weird. Like, as a Westerner, watching you do this thing is very strange, and it's good to have that perspective to remember that, like, Westerners doing the same thing is also very, it's gotta look weird, like, obviously. But it's also sort of like, like, man, everybody does this. Everybody looks at everybody else's stuff and it's just like, man, I think those guys are doing over there is pretty cool. And, like, I totally don't really get it, but it is but, like, real, real like, the costumes neat. are neat. Like, the costumes are cool, so we're gonna roll with it. Um, I think it's great. Anyways. So so they're all sort of wondering uh, who it is that Shisato is going to meet. And Kento voices a hope that he's going to get to see some, like, hot girl-on-girl action, uh, basically. Yeah, uh, like, I, I, 
I have in my notes is uh, Kuichiro and Miku having this conversation. But, like, so what somebody said, like, they are talking, like, I wonder who this guy is. And the other person's like, I don't know, maybe it's a cute girl. Which, honestly, based on the episodes that we have seen so far, seems a bit more likely. Yeah, it does not seem at all inconceivable. You know what? At this point, it feels as though the show is doing that on purpose. Like, like there have been enough episodes with uh, Chisato just like, hey, let's you and me go on a date, Miku, and like hanging out a lot with, uh, oh, what was her name in the first episode with Bat Nazare? Oh, Kenta's um, friend from middle school. I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember. Anyway, and then in this, it's like, I don't know, maybe she's dating a girl. It, it really does feel as though the show is just like, Listen, we might not be coming out and saying it, but, you know, wink, wink. I dig it. I dig it. Great job, yeah. Sentai. Uh, so anyways, and it's not. It is, I mean, it is a girl, but it's a little girl. Yes. It is a little sister or friend, niece, something we don't, we don't really know. Uh, important plot point, she does have one of these roses. Yes. And so uh, Chisato gives her the cake. Her name is Ruri, by the way. Ruri, yes, thank you. So Chisato gives her the cake, and Ruri's like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Super excited for my birthday. Like, I will see you there. And Ruri sort of skips off. Chisato then turns around, and she's like, guys, you, you can come out now. I know you've been following me. You've been doing a terrible job. I know where you are. Please, just let's, come on. Yeah. So then we get a little, we cut over to Ruri. We get a little Bach, Toccata, and Fugue style pipe organ. The flower glows, and then Ruri is very clearly mind controlled. Yeah, the, the, the nun shows up briefly and sort of like stares at her intently. And then uh, she drops the cake and starts walking away. Just sort of like, you know, like turns the corner and starts walking up a hill. Yeah. They do, they do a real quick explanation where Chisato says, like, oh, like, I was out taking pictures because I wanted to take some pictures for this contest. I saw Ruri. I thought she looked great. She has a great smile. I asked if I could take pictures. She said yes. And check out this mag. I got second place. Rad. By the way, would not have noticed it if they hadn't mentioned Ruri's amazing smile. But Ruri has maybe the worst teeth I've ever seen on television. She's yeah, a, they do. She's a little girl. Little kids have messed up teeth. I'm not saying this is anything against her. But, like... She has particularly weird looking like, teeth. Like, they did specify, oh, she has such a lovely smile. Right. And she, listen, Rory is a little girl that looks very nice when she smiles. That oh, is yeah. very true. Now I feel bad. That's, now we've yeah, made it this now whole Now I feel thing badly about, about bringing it up. But like, boy, oh boy. Cause just because they call attention to it. And you're like, ah, I, now I'm in for the smile of my life. And then you look at it. And there's a moment. There is, there's, a, there's a moment that is uh, a little jarring. Dude. Uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show before, but Buddy Bear, my son, mm-hmm. has, like, like weirdly perfect teeth. Like, he's only a little kid, but he has, like, a full-on, like, they're perfectly straight and white. Like, he has, like, a movie star smile. That's also upsetting to me, as someone who had braces for many years. <laughs> he has, I mean, listen, um, I think his, his sister may well need braces, but like that kid, and maybe he'll grow out of it and need them later, I don't know. But like, as of right now- We can only hope. We can only hope. 
Wait, that he won't grow out of it, Matt. We're not rooting for him to have braces. Well, I mean, listen, I guess that's, you, you'll have to pay for that, so I shouldn't... You know, just say not least I'm just saying that, listen, as a, as, a, as a young man with less than perfect teeth, I'm resentful. It's fine. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. He's always had perfect teeth. So anyways, we see all these kids. Oh, they see the cake. The rangers are like, come around the corner, and they see where the cake has been dropped. She sort of recognizes it, and she's like, ooh, this is weird and bad. And then they sort of look up, and they're under like a little bridge thing, and they look up, and there's a bunch of kids that are kind of zombie walking. Not like, uh, zombie walking. Like, mind-controlled walking. Yeah. It is actually they, also in my notes as a zombie walk. But yes, yeah. it is. It's, it's just like a mindless stroll. Mindless shuffle, yeah. So they they go, there's a church, and there's red roses on the door, and the kids all walk in, and the rangers run up, and then a nun stops them, and she says, oh, I'm sorry, you can't come in, today's service is only for children. And let me just say, Roman Catholic Church, you do not have a great history of doing stuff that was only for children. You know, Dave, that, that is true. Now, now two... <laughs> Was that a children's? Sorry, I was making a children's crusade joke. Oh, I tell you what, Dave, you were all—you might not have known it. You were making two jokes. Yeah, did not think about that one. I was just making a children's crusade joke. Um, but it does work on multiple levels. Now, this—this this may be clear to you at this point. These are not real nuns. They are definitely not real nuns. These are evil monsters pretending to be nuns. We will we'll get into the specifics in a minute, but just just so that you've got a little foreshadowing. You haven't necessarily watched the episodes. So you can't, like, see the look in their eyes that is, like, clearly evil. I mean, evil. dude, if you're, yeah, I don't know. If you're this far into just listening to this podcast, I feel like you probably put together the, that the person handing out roses was a monster. I don't think we've ever seen a nun or priest on this show that wasn't a monster, have we? There was the time when Kauri was supposed to get married to another rich dude and got as far as the altar. Oh, that's and right. There that ha- there priest have, was not a monster. There have been a few wedding scenes that have priests that aren't monsters. Yes. Speaking of wedding scenes, Matt, I did just, because I saw it on the page, uh, for a lark, go back and watch the last, like, seven or eight minutes of the last episode of Jetman. Oh, you just want to have a good cry? Oh, dude. It's still... It that it cuts like a knife. Still, much like the it knife does, man. that killed Guy. Man, oh, it's, it was so good. Well, I just... I know we've been talking about how great Kroichiru is, and he is really great. I'm like, man, is he going to be a better Black Ranger than Guy? And, uh... And those eight minutes reminded you that he's got a tall mountain to climb. He's got a tall, tall mountain to climb, man. Doing I mean, a good he job. might get Only a piece of that. A... Yeah, he might get a piece of that glowing crag, Matt. Piece but, of that radical uh, rock. Yeah. So, anyways, so Chisato's like, this is obviously very weird, and they're all like, yes, this is weird, and so they kind of like run around the side, and Chisato sort of like pokes her head up, and she's looking in a window, and then we get the scene. And the nun is up front, and she's saying, the roses are delighted to see you, children. And then there's the organ again. And then they sort of, like, toss petals. And then the petals land in front of the kids. And then they turn into, uh, they say, holy rose water? That is what they say, yes. It does 
I'm not sure about the translation here or whatever, but it is definitely looks like Holy Communion. Yeah. And, uh, and man, I did get... I actually did get pretty uncomfortable for a minute. I was just like, yeah, I know this is like a knife that cuts both ways, but I am real uncomfortable, which is also a good reminder that like, I don't know, man, the boot is a real thing for people. Don't just anyways, be cool about people's stuff. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the important part here is, oh man, Matt, Uh, by the way, it, at this point, have you realized that the nun is Shibalina? I... By the way, the nun is Shibalina. The nun is Shibalina. I guessed that she was. Because, like, she's not, I like, do... she's in a disguise, but she's not covering her face. Yeah, that's the thing. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is Shibalina, just kind of, like, based on how this episode is going. But I uh, was not... I do not have, like, a clear enough, like, picture of her face in my mind that, like, divorced from her costume. I was right, able to see her and be like, oh, that's Shibalina. Because her costume is, like, so distinctive that, like, yeah. that is sort of the image that lives in my head. What I was thinking is, like, wow, this nun's sort of a babe. And then when I found out later it was Shibalina, I was like, oh, right, sure, of course. Well, you know, yeah, Shibalina is definitely sort of a babe. Um... So they turn into monster flower children. Yes. All of them except for Rory. Except. Because Rory yeah. is not drinking the special rose water. Yeah. Well, Trisanto manages to like get her attention for like one or two little moments. And Rory is able to like lock in on that and kind of resist the mind control. By the we way, do there's, get this, a... there's this moment in here, and I'm sorry for interrupting because this might no, be no, what no. you were about to say. Is we cut back to the organ, and oh yeah, and the nun who had been playing the organ like turns, and they're still wearing the nun's uh, like clothes, um, but their face you can now see is that of um, oh gosh, Dave, I keep forgetting what they're called, the putties, the. Twisty wisties. Twisty wisties. The twisty wimpies. It's a twisty wisty. It's a twisty wisty in a nun's habit. It's. Cre- it's a great visual. If it wasn't creepy, it would be hilarious. It is kind of creepy. Oh, though. this whole bit is creepy. Yeah, it is. It's real weird. Um. So, anyways, what we, what we see is that like okay, she is kind of managing to you know, like, lock lock herself in on, on this, like, memory of Chisato. Yeah. And Shibalina, so like, realizes this. She's like, something is stopping you from doing it. She looks over, sees Chisato peeking in the window, sort of, like, stares hard at the window. The window slams shut. A bunch of twisty-wisties run outside to go fight them. Um, yeah. And the other four Mega Rangers are like, listen, we'll deal with these guys. You go save Rory. Yeah, you, like, we, we're good. <laughs> and I guess the other kids, if you have the opportunity. But, like, obviously, that's the only one we care about, really. Yeah, so... For the oh, purposes there is a, of this episode. There's a real brief aside where um, we go to the, the Nezere dimension and we see Hinalar and uh, Uganda sort of, like, v- viewing this plan in action. They're like, this is a great plan. And we find out that... Uh, Shibalina created Rose and Nezere using like a mix of Rose DNA and her own DNA. So yes. like 
Ro- Rose Nezere that we haven't seen yet, but Rose Nezere is like half Shibalina and half Roses, okay? So, uh, we're back at the church. Like, ooh, beautiful twisted flowers. Ruri drops her drink, and then Shibalina, the nun, comes over and is like, why aren't you drinking, my child? I mean, like, aside... Well, aside from the obvious Shibalina that all the kids who drank it turned into horrible rose monsters, Shibalina clearly is like, why is it my mind control working? Yeah. She is like reads uh, Rory's mind a little bit and sees yeah, she images like of Chisato. Um, and then Rory like breaks free of it and runs away. And Shibalina is like, oh man, love a spirited kid. Anyway, I'm going to go murder that child. But boy, I, I, love, child. I love a spirited kid. And then there's a great moment. Oh man, this is such a sick transition. We're like, uh. She stands still for a second, and there's, like, cracks that appear all over her clothes. And then they shatter and fly away from her. And then underneath, you just see, like... And her face is static the whole time. Um, And you just see, like, her regular Shibalina clothes on it. So what has actually happened, Dave, she has shattered the vestments that she was wearing. She has broken her habit. Hey! Very good joke. That was a great joke. So you know it was great because I didn't laugh, but I did say that that was a great joke. Um, I I have it in my notes, Dave. She breaks the habit. Great joke. (laughs) So um, the Rangers are fighting. Uh, Chisato runs after Rory. We see Rory. She's running away. She trips. And then Chisato appears. It's very obviously not Chisato. It is definitely Shibali Yeah. By the way, this is the halfway Disguised part of the episode. Somehow. I know we've been talking for a full hour. We are at the halfway point of this episode. Yeah, it's a, it's a big episode. So anyways, she's like, this holy water will calm you down, my child. It's like, okay, well, you didn't try super hard right. to like... You didn't even change the way her. that it looks. Yeah, it's in the same glass and everything. Ruby's like, this is not good and she like backs up and then falls over and passes out and Chisato shows up and she's like I will defeat you and Shibli is like I don't know who the heck you are but you're very definitely just a person and I will murder you and Shisato thinks to herself like she's about to install and then she says ooh wait if I install right now she'll know it's me so like I can't so she just tries to attack her anyways and that goes about as well as you think it will right she gets like thrown back against a tree and knocked over what's funny is there's a real close-up on her face as Shibalina is like blasting her with like this air blast and what I think what they do is they just like just off camera pointed a leaf blower at Chisato's face because you can see like her cheek like moving around with the wind. I was actually pretty impressed Very that good. they that they did that because a lot of time they just kind of like grimace into the camera. Yeah, and then there's like um, an energy whip and they fly around. But this was an interesting. Yeah. This was a fun effect. So, anyways. Uh, Shibli and like we said, we, she recognizes her. Yeah. She's like, oh, you're the, you're the girl. She says, you're the girl that's what in Rory's do. memory. Right. Like, I will destroy you, and then I will destroy her memories of you, and then I will, I will get her. And so she sort of holds yeah. the cake, and then the cake just ignites, which is cold, but apparently the cake was the key. 
Because then Rory wakes up and is like, all right, well, I guess I'm mind-controlled now. And so she just goes to drink it. <laughs> oh, by the way, I, I don't think we mentioned this. When we went to the Nezere dimension, this is not important. I don't know why I'm bothering with it, but I've already started saying it. So here we go. When we go to the Nezere dimension, we find out the reason they are doing this is that they're going to, like, this is a test to see if it works. Then they're going to do it all over the world. So all children will be rose monsters, which will mean that humanity has no future. Because, of course, children are our future. So if you turn all the children into rose monsters, eventually all the adults will die, and there will be no one to replace them except for rose monsters. Then, checkmate. Got it. Nezere wins. It's the long game. Uh, yeah, it's an extremely good plan. Anyway... Uh, cake burns. Rory drinks the drink. She turns into a little tiny rose monster. Yeah. Have we talked uh, at when... all about Rose Nezere, the monster? Because we have seen it at this oh, point. Oh, no, we haven't. Uh, rose Nezere has a dope look. Absolutely. Uh, there's a... So it's like a big... It's like a rose face, and then it's sort of like a twisty... Well, it, well it's, 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 like it's a... a lady's face with like a sort of like a rose, like collar ruffle like elizabethan collar like a shakespeare yeah. ruff but made out of rose petals and then they did a really neat job of incorporating elements from shibalina's costume into rose nezere like shibalina has this like um like patterned mosaic like of different colored tiles like on a lot of her like boots and gloves and then like that makes it onto rose nezere and then the other half of it is like a twisty vine monster yeah it's very cool so once Ruri is transformed, Chisato says, like, okay, well, now it just doesn't matter. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have to do what I can to save Ruri. So she installs. Yeah. Now, crucially, uh, oh. in the moment she installs, Shibalina has her back to turn to her because Shibalina is still looking at Ruri. So, like, she's there and she installs. So Shibalina can infer that, like, oh, that girl is mega yellow. But can and, and does. And does, yeah. But hasn't actually seen the transformation happen. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit of a fight. Uh, we see Shibalena has a sword, and it's real cool because oh, it's mostly sword. sword. And then at the end, it goes into this like twisty corkscrew thing. Super good. Uh, I really dig how, how much they're working like spirals and twists into the costuming and and monster design of this show uh like the design the design conceptualization goes pretty deep. yeah so uh, deeper i deeper i feel like than a lot of the shows that we've seen yeah and we, like the monsters have a very unified aesthetic and what's interesting about it is that it's not all like a big super obvious things it's like nice cool little touches like that yeah so uh, we get a fight between the Rangers and Rose Nezere. Yeah, because at this point, Shibalina's like, listen, A, now I know who you are, obviously. So that was dumb. And B, you should, like, I'm going to kill you, but you shouldn't even be worried about that. What you really should be worried about is the fact that right now, Rose Nezere is murdering your four friends. And it cuts to the fight with Rose Nezere versus the other four. And it seems as though it's actually going very well for the Rangers, but... What we find out pretty quickly is that Rose Nezere has real intense regener regenerative powers. Like any any hit that they it she I guess any hit that she takes after you know she just like immediately heals right back up. Right, like they cut off her arm and arm grows back. They knock her down, she gets back up. 
Like in that case, they literally just like reverse the footage. <laughs> like they just play it in reverse. It's great. So um, then we we're back to Chisato fighting uh, Shibalina. Yeah, Shibalina. And Shibalina hits her with an attack and just like teleports her away. The, the, seemingly, there is a moment where Shibalina says, "Like obviously, Rosenezre is going to win. She's part of me. She always wins." And I wonder what the data set on that is because it feels like she's brand new and this is her first fight. Yeah. Uh, so, in the interest of time, uh, what Shibalina has actually done is not teleported Mega Yellow away, but has created, like, an illusory mindscape that she has trapped Yellow in. Yeah, I and really she, love this. Because Shibalina is, like, a weird mind control villain, right? Like, every time we've seen her, that's what she that's does. Her thing. And we've always seen it sort of from the outside. Like we know that Shibalina has controlled the minds of those people. But in this case, we're getting it from the perspective of one of the main characters. So we actually see sort of a expression of Shibalina affecting the mind of the character. And it's this really it, it goes on for a while. There's multiple stages to it. But yep. like they go into like this mind escape that is different and better than the sort of thing we normally get, which is just like a different foggy extra dimension. Although it does include a stop into a different foggy it, extra it, dimension. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be Sentai if it didn't, but she does, she creates like three or four scenarios that she makes Mega Yellow run through. Uh, and it is, they're doing a very cool job of kind of jumping back and forth between the fight with the Rangers and Rose Nazare and Shibalina versus versus Mega Yellow. Uh, my, um, my my favorite bit of that, and I know we're I we we are going long, but I did want to say this one thing about the like mindscape stuff. Is my favorite bit that they go through is that there's a moment where she turns around and suddenly she is giant in the city, and everyone is running away from her as though she is a monster. That was really and good. What's really cool about it is that like. Yeah, a Sentai show can do that because they have a, they already have a set that is like built to the scale where if you just put a person in it, they look giant. Man, I would pay I would pay hard American dollars. Uh, we we, to we get have to go talked about this. We have discussed this extensively. I just want to be clear that it's still very it's true. Such a clever use of the resources that they already have on hand. I love it. So, um. We get a lot of back and forth. Um, it is a great action sequence, but we are running long. Eventually, they get in radio. The other Rangers get in contact with uh, Mega Yellow, and they're like, "Dude, we do not know what is going on. Like, do you have anything for us?" I don't even think that. And, no, I don't even think they're getting in contact. I think it's that they are saying it, and like, oh, maybe like, that's it. They are fighting Rose Nazare, and Rose Nazare is part of Shibalina. And Shibalina is currently, like, in Mega Yellow's mind. So she just sort of, like, gets this wave of them not knowing what to do. And so she uses uh, her Digicam scan, mm -hmm. and she's like, oh, Rose Nezere is part of Shibalina. And in this case, apparently, that doesn't just mean is genetically descended from. It means is linked to in a Tomax Zamot sort of way. And she says, if I can, like, that's why they can't beat Rose Nezere, because Shibalina is fine. Right. If I can beat Shibalina, then they should be then, like, that will weaken Rose Nezere, and they'll be able to do it. Now, Dave, one problem here. It's very difficult to beat Shibalina, because during the course of this, like, series of fights, 
Mecha Yellow has dropped all of her weapons. What's she going to do without any weapons, Dave? Well, man, it would be a problem, except that she just busts out a brand new technique called Blade Arm. Yes, she does. Where she just holds up her arm, and she, like, runs a hand up it, and she just creates, like, a lightsaber on her, like, outside forearm and hand, and then just, like... Power runs at Chibolita <laughs> and blade arms are in the face. It's extremely good. Yeah, man. Love um, a blade arm. Love a blade arm. It's it's pretty boss. Um, So she does that to Chibolita. And then when she does that, Rose Nezere also takes the hit. Again, Tomax and Zamok yeah. style. It, the mindscape disappears. Yeah, it, that doesn't kill Rose Nezere, but it does weaken her. And so now that that like, link has been broke because Shibalina is injured, now Galaxy Mega can like actually go in and defeat Rose Nezere, which it does yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, and then that's, that's kind of it. Uh, then Shibalina is like, well, you did beat me, but now I know who you are. And next time, death for you. And then Chisato runs up to Mega Yellow and says, like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for saving me. You're the best. And then Shibalina's like, hmm, Weird. well, I'm not sure what's going on here, but clearly that girl that I thought had something to do with it has nothing to do with it, and I won't hunt her down and kill her later. And then she just sort of like, teleports away. And <laughs> she said, it's like, well, Mega Yellow's like, what is happening? And then the other rangers show up, and Shun says, ah, that is my virtual holograph pretty cool huh and he says it in a way that like as though he's trying to convince them that it's cool yes it's extremely cool yeah and, and in this moment i kind of realized that do you remember in like the second episode there was a whole thing where shun's like greatest computer skill was um like designing uh, like oh yeah, computer, computer graphics. Like computer like, graphics this is and his, stuff. His thing, and it did not occur to me that like that is why he's the digital TV guy because like that, like that's sort of like the closest thing they could figure to that. So like he's really no, good at generating computer images, and he's like, oh yeah, like I I can just do that with my powers now. Yeah, um, extremely it's, good. It's yeah, it's excellent. So then. Um, Chisato, the new scene, and Chisato meets Rory, and there's a new cake, and then the other rangers are also there. They're like, oh, we thought we would join in, and they made a little, like, a whole picnic thing, and Rory is like, oh, man, like, this is so great, guys. Like, what can I do to thank you? And Chisato's like, just let me take more pictures of you. And I was like, I know this is innocent, but out of context. That line gave me the creeps. Not super cool. (laughs) I mean, it is. It's it's 100% innocent. Just like, come, child. Like, have cake. The only thing I ask is that you let me take pictures of you. Like, And on that note... On that note, it's the end of the episode. But David, it's not the end of our episode. Unbelievably, we're still going. Um, uh, Because first, we need to determine where Rose Nazare lands in the Creature Royale. Dave, Rose Nazare is very good. Okay, Rose Desiree is very good, but we don't actually see a whole... Like, she's got a great look. Uh Uh-huh. But, um, again, I think we're running into... It's this... It's the same sort of thing we've been talking about. We're really... This is not a Rose Desiree episode. This is a Shibalina episode. Okay, that's true. That's true. And Shibalina is really excellent. And I think it feels like... uh, It feels like... Our boss list 
is inversely proportional in many ways to our monster list. Yeah, in some ways. You know what I mean? This, this happened like, to us a our, lot in Car Ranger, too, where it would be like a really good episode with like, you know, one of the uh, Barbarians, but the the Bozoke, that's what they were called. Yeah. I do remember some things from that show. Um, but yeah, like, but it wouldn't necessarily be a great episode for like whatever monster it was. Yeah, well, like, Grey is our best monster, but... You know, we don't really have. There aren't many dimension monsters um, in our in our very high up ones and our very high up monsters. You know, but there are a lot of monsters in our top rankings from uh, Die Ranger and Conquer Ranger. Anyways, we're getting off on a tangent. Okay, so here's here's my kickoff point. I think that Rose Nesre could easily be most easily compared to Kama Itachi the Sickle Weasel. He is a... I feel like we end up comparing a lot to him, but he's a very prominent mind control monster. He's a prominent mind control monster, and he also transformed children into creepy monster things. Ooh, good point. Wait, there was somebody else who transformed children into actual plant monsters. Oh, gosh. Um, Was it the Great Tomato King? But he just turned everybody into tomatoes. He just turned everybody into tomatoes. It was a nice, it was a monster from um, Car Ranger. Anyways, I think Kamehitaji is a good spot to start. I think Rose Nesri looks so cool. Rose Nesri does look super, super cool. And like the fight um, with her is really good. And the sculpt on her head and her hair is really good. Like she's a good looking monster and like a really like in she's got it. She's just so interesting to see. And although the plan is, like, Shibalina's plan and not the monster's plan, like, the monster is, like, central to it. She's got a cool, like, rose thorn whip. It's very good, Dave. Yeah, so aesthetically, I think she beats the pants off of Kameitachi the Sicko Weasel, who had a great concept, but the monster design was a little bit funky. It was a weasel man with a um, jetpack, which is cool, but not as cool. And, like, hook, like, bladey hook arms. So I think that it's a great episode. Really even if it's episode. not necessarily a a Rose Nesri focused episode. And I think the look is enough cooler enough that it is better than she's better than Kameitachi the Sickle Weasel. I would say my ceiling for her would be Didi Donma, the telephone catalog ordering. The best telephone cataloging orderer. Oh, that was a really clever monster. I think that is my, that's my ceiling. So somewhere between 62 and 55. Okay, well, right under Didi Donma is the light armadillo. The light armadillo himself was not super in, actually, that's a very, light armadillo is another good comparison point. Because the light armadillo himself was not super interesting, right? What yeah. was interesting about it was the fact that the light armadillo was able to create like shadow clone Jetman Rangers that were always empowered because I think Maria had like plunged that part of the city into constant darkness. Yeah. So that was really like a Maria episode where there was kind of a monster who was there who sort of got by on the strength of like one cool effect that they had. Well, in that case, I think we give it to Rose Nesere because she looks cooler. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. 
All right, so Rose Nezare, new spot 56. Very nice. Very well done, Rose Nezare. Good for you. Rest in peace, you horrible monster. <laughs> um, and that, Dave, that is going to do it for this. For a record setting. For this, yes, this very long episode of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Before we finish up, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or just want to check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. If you want to rate or review us uh, on there, that would be very nice of you. Or just tell a friend, that would also be very nice of you, which I believe you would do, because I like to think that you're all very nice people. And you know what else is nice, Dave? Retrograde Orbit Radio, of which we are a member. If you would like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.